Unscripted, unshackled, uncouth. What you're about to hear is for mature ears only. It's Miguel. Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. You're a dumbass. Have a wonderful day, okay? Bye-bye now. Holly. I finally got boobs and a butt back. And Scotty the body. Am I not as cool and good-looking as I think I am? The Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast. No, my tongue feels too big today. Only from Hot 101.5. Give me Kit Kat or give me death. Tampa Bay's new hit music. We are back. Hey! After a little 4th of July break, much needed. Mm. Um... Before we get into our 4th of July shenanigans, if you did get into them, uh, today is Mindful Monday that we are recording this. And so we'll be talking to Dr. Upshaw from Neurospot TMS. Yeah, and he's a psychiatrist who kind of joins us because, as you've noticed, we've been doing podcasts daily because we feel like it's helpful with everything going on Mm -hmm. and he's sort of like the professional on that side of things like mental health is important maybe you're feeling things that you haven't felt before this whole pandemic took over and then everything else that got piled on into 2020 with it Mm -hmm. so we kind of go through things that you may be going through dealing with depression anxiety ptsd and we get like a a professional perspective on it and what's the topic today when we do get uh, dr upshaw on the phone uh depression actually what is it exactly and how can you deal with it on your own what are some signs that maybe you have it uh and and what to do We're going to get to Dr. Upshaw in a little bit, but first, it was the 4th of July weekend. Hoorah! But this 4th of July just felt a little different. Way different. A little different for many, 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 many reasons. One, uh, living in COVID times with, you know, social distancing, there were no big 4th of July firework celebrations, Um, and then also with all of the social unrest, Things that we're learning about the past of our country and sort of reconciling, you know, 4th of July is celebrating the independence of America Mm -hmm. from Great Britain. Right. But not for everyone that lived here at the time. So it just felt a little weird. Um, And honestly, to be completely 100 percent transparent, I honestly didn't know what to post on social media because I saw both. I saw people who are maybe from a military background or they're conservative and they were like, I'm proud of my country no matter what people are saying and I'm happy that we're celebrating the 4th of July. And then you had people who were like, I'm celebrating in my own way, but I'm also giving and spending some time thinking about the people that weren't free and that weren't able to celebrate Mm -hmm. like the natives who were here before us and on this on this land and then for black people who were brought over here through slavery who were not free who were property um so to be completely honest i felt very uh just i didn't know i didn't know what to post mm-hmm. i didn't know what to post uh did you post anything holly no in no? fact <laughs> i was absent from social media for most of this weekend mm. um was I that just, on purpose or yeah, was it it was good. i mean it was both it was on purpose but also like I kind of like you, I was like, I mean, I've had this, and it's weird because I feel awkward talking about it, um, but I didn't know what to post. Obviously, I'm glad to live in America. I would rather yeah. live here um, than various other countries because we do have a lot of freedoms today, but I also was like, I just, 
I feel uneasy with the state of the country. Right. Currently. Right. And it's like it's not even fun to have fun with it anymore. Like it's mm. not funny to have fun with it because there's so much serious stuff going on. Yeah. Right. So let me just like for example, this is just one small thing. So um like five years ago, I had one of my favorite shirts because I like to get like little funny shirts for holidays, as you'll note. I do it for Halloween and mm-hmm. Christmas and stuff. And I had a Fourth of July shirt that I think actually came from that movie, The Interview with Seth Rogen mm. and um, uh, James Franco. Mm-hmm. And the quote was, they yeah. hate us because they ain't us. Mm. And it was like in red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. And I would wear that every Fourth of July. And I'd be like, they hate us because they ain't us. Hi. And I pulled it out. But I was like, mm, mm. I'm going to keep this tucked in. Yeah. Scott, did you post anything? I did post, but I didn't post. I did it very strategically when I posted on Instagram on Saturday for the 4th. I just said cheers to the weekend. Like, I put up a post of what I was doing, but I was like, you know, I'm not going to, because I did feel uneasy about it. I Like, I recognized that it was the 4th. I also then put another post on my story that was like, but also let's recognize that we have a lot of work to do. And for you to just celebrate as if we don't, you're missing the bigger picture. Right. And then I went on to thank, like, I thank the military for, you know, the, all that you do because that is honestly it helps us to continue to fight for things that are right right and then when i put a post on my feed it was more so here's to the weekend being able to just take a second to just chill back with people that you enjoy being around and maybe make that your focus but also again like the bigger picture here is that we should be having these conversations you shouldn't be afraid to say like hey we do have work to do because if you Mm -hmm. say we don't what do you do? Who are you looking at? What right. are you watching? Your hand, is, your head is in the sand. Yeah, at that point. like I don't care what side of the story you're on with everything, right. but you have to recognize right now that there is major work to do, as there should be, because we want to get better. Right. And now we just have to recognize it. I mean, I, I sort of look at it right now as if you are in a tough spot in your relationship. And you're at that point where, you know, when you first got together, you were posting on Instagram about each other all the time. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I love you so much. I got them a gift card to Chipotle because I love them. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nothing says happiness like burritos. Yeah. Taco Tuesday with Bay. Mm. And then, you know, like a year or two in, you move in together and, you know, you find out they don't flush the toilet or, you know, they're not really like, great with finances. Maybe, or, they, maybe like she accidentally made out with her old boss at, at Fridays. Right. And so you're like, I don't feel like posting about you right now because I'm feeling some type of way. <laughs> Doesn't mean that you're not still in the relationship. Right. And I just feel like that's where we are right now. So I don't want you listening to get it twisted that I'm not proud of our country. I'm no. very proud of our country. I just think like in a tough relationship, we are reconciling our past. Um by actively talking about it, by actively dealing with it and moving past the sort of painful part to then be able to be the or continue to be the even better country that we know that we are, but also acknowledging the hurt and the the pain that it took for us to get to this point and to be this great nation and acknowledging that like, you left a lot of people behind it's not when, perfect. when you did that. It's not perfect. Right. And I think and I think that's from and I think especially for our generation, Holly, you and I, because you're 38, I'm 34. We went through that phase, Scott, that you don't I don't you probably don't remember 
because you were so young. Like after 9-11, there was this amazing patriotic feeling in America. Mm -hmm. But what happened is that you couldn't say anything bad about America because it got to that point to where like, if you said anything bad about the military or police officers or anybody, then you were a terrorist mm-hmm. and you were you were canceled before cancel culture was a thing. Right. That was the original cancel. It was. Which, I mean, to be fair, we all felt this this pride, this patriotism, but it was also like you can't disagree. Right, right. And, and I mean, it's always been like that with the military. And I think that goes back to even Vietnam, just quickly, because, like, when my dad was drafted to go to Vietnam, he didn't want to go to, he wasn't like, can't wait to go to this, what is this war even for? Right. And Which just dragged on. And then what happened in Nam was that the, the soldiers that came back that necessarily didn't even sign up to be there, they were just drafted to go. When they came back to America, they were spit on, mm. they were, you know, just just totally torn down. How could you do that? And a lot of them didn't have a choice. Mm. A lot of them were poor people that didn't, that couldn't afford college. And so college was like your get out of Vietnam free card. It wasn't free, but you know. Mm-hmm. So my dad was like, it, it, like he dropped out of college because his grades weren't there or whatever. So immediately he got shipped off to Vietnam. And so when he came back, he fe- faced a lot of, you know, hurt and all this stuff. And it's like, I, I don't want that to happen. Like, I don't want the people that sign up to be in our military to, um, you know, Feel that. Fight the good fight. Right. To feel that. To right. feel like we don't appreciate what is being done. Because a lot of them are are putting their lives on the line for our freedoms. But that doesn't mean that you have to agree with, like, the cause of the Vietnam War, for example. Right. Or whatever it is. Like, I su- you can support the troops themselves yeah. and still ask questions about what we're doing right. a- as a greater picture. But it's like after 9-11 happened... You couldn't even ask questions. No, and no. That's what happened. I mean, to be fair, that's what happened with the Dixie Chicks. No, absolutely. absolutely. They were the the public slaughter of you mm-hmm. cannot say anything about this country, right. the president, the, and it got twisted because I used to work in a country uh, on a country radio station, and we still would play wide open spaces every mm-hmm. now and then as mm-hmm. like a, a gold, you know. And this was in like '06 or '07, and people would call up furious and be like, mm. "How dare you play that music to disrespect our our soldiers?" And I was like, "No, but th- they didn't say anything about right. the soldiers. What they said was solely about the president and the state of Texas." And they're like, "It doesn't matter." Right. So then all of a sudden they were painted with this brush of, "If you say anything, you are exactly a terrorist." Mm-hmm. So that's that's the environment that you know was happening in the in the two thousands. And I think it's sort of. Carried- Carried over, which is why, you know, I felt just I I didn't know what to say. But I think that just acknowledging that, like, we are living in very complicated times and there are no complicated answers. And as I'm sort of exploring even more of this, you know, by my even as a black man and, you know, listening to different black voices and different black opinions on, you know, where our country has been, where we are, where we're going. And I'm watching the show Underground right now, which is based on um, uh, this making seven, uh, seven slaves that tried to escape a plantation, make and make in Georgia to make it up north. And the show is so fascinating because it's not like a, a documentary where it's a it's a fictional show, 
but they explore like the feelings and relationships and lives between, you know, some slaves that wanted to escape, some that didn't because they were scared. Right. It wasn't and, all just one. Like that's what history it make it it kind of dumbs it down for us. Right. So we're like, well, obviously all slaves were just wanted freedom. Right. Well, it was way more complex than that. There were so many different types of um uh struggles that were there. And that stuff just doesn't go away. Like any trauma, right. it's, it, it's got many layers. Imprinted on DNA. Yeah. I mean, and even in one of the scenes we just watched recently where, you know, the uh, owner acknowledged that, like, we can't, like, we have to keep them down by making them think less of themselves. That just doesn't go away with yeah. the stroke of a law. And you're like, all right, slaves are freed. Boom, you're done. Like, that stuff just doesn't go away. And so... We haven't dealt with that. We haven't talked about that. And that's what's happening now. And so that's why I just felt so uh, just I felt very complicated on the 4th of July about what to post and how I felt. So I was just curious if you all felt the same way. Um, so transitioning into talking about mental health. That's kind of a good segue, though. Right? Yeah. So we have psychiatrist Dr. Nate Upshaw, who works with Neurospot TMS. And I've gone through the um, the treatments. And I am very open about the fact that my depression, my anxiety has gotten just so much better going through this whole treatment. So Dr. Upshaw comes on the podcast on Mondays. We call them Mindful Mondays. But there are a lot of complex issues and emotions and feelings going on right now between that all of the social unrest that's been happening of course we have the pandemic that kind of was like oh y'all thought i was done Mm-mm. boom i'm just gonna take over florida so there's Hi. all this stuff going on and dr upshaw is here as a, a sort of professional because we just you know we just spitball it yes <laughs> dr upshaw can speak more to exactly what it means to have depression and that's what we're going to kind of talk about today um what is depression and what are the signs that you may be dealing with it? So, hello. Hi, Dr. Upshaw. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, h- how was your 4th of July weekend? It was good. It was good. I mean, obviously, it was pretty low-key. Everything had been canceled. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so we just kind of hung out with the family, and that was it. Yeah. Get a couple of sparklers and call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Now, talking about depression, um, h- how do you want to dive into Is Is it... Let's actually set the table because I feel like we throw around the word depression a lot. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so depressed because I'm not going to get a new season of Outlander oh, right. uh, this spring, you know, as opposed to someone who's like, I can't get out of bed. Right. What's the clinical definition of depression, Dr. Upshaw? Yeah. So it, so we have this DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Psychiatry, and that's kind of where we get our criteria. But it's just a set of nine symptoms, which, you know, are pretty common sense that you feel depressed, you have problems with sleep, concentration, problems with energy, you can have weight loss, weight gain, problems with appetite. And those symptoms are present pretty much on a daily basis for at least two weeks. So I think that's kind of what you're getting into. And and when you say, oh, I'm having a bad day or I'm depressed because this TV show got canceled, you know, that, that it's there on a daily basis for a while. And so it's like you can't shift out of uh, the depression. Do you feel like you're seeing more people that normally would not have signs of depression? They're now they now are dealing with it because of this just strange uh, recipe of emotions and situations that we find ourselves in in our country. 
Yeah, so this has been studied in the last, you know, six weeks or so, and there's some reports coming out that maybe as many as a third of all um, Americans right now are kind of suffering with what could be kind of considered clinical anxiety or depression. Mm. So, um, yeah, usually that number is about 10% at any given time. Wow. Um, and about 25 to 30% of people are going to have a clinical depressive episode at some point in their life. Um, and so, yes, there's a lot more of it going around right now. Cause you know, we don't, you can't really get a blood test for depression, right? So it's right. kind of a clinical diagnosis, but we do understand a lot about the neuroscience behind it. And it looks like, you know, there's some genetic pre- predisposition stuff that happens to you in childhood can leave you vulnerable to depression. Um, and then, you know, obviously events going on currently, which is a, is a huge thing right now. So obviously if you have a little bit of genetic predisposition or you've had some things that have happened in the past or had depression in the past right now, those people are a lot more vulnerable to having another episode right now. My question is because, well, maybe this is more than just one question, but my, my line of thinking here is that as someone who has dealt with depression, I feel like there was, there's always a lot of denial for me personally when it comes to it, because I feel like there must be people that have it worse than me. So maybe what I'm dealing with isn't really depression. Is that depression speaking? Because I feel like it can be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before. There's still some stigma surrounding this. And so when you don't know of a a good option to go get something fixed or you don't want to talk about it, then the mind kind of puts it in the back burner a little bit. Obviously, if if your car needs some gas, then you just go at a gas station and fill it up, right? right? So, but if 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 you're dealing with something that's complicated, it's difficult to talk about for some people. The treatment options, you know, aren't out there in front of everyone. Sometimes it it just kind of gets pushed to the background, and so you just kind of it, and it's kind of like it becomes part of, you know, your daily existence, and you just don't even realize it anymore. Mm. And what signs am I looking for? I know you said that there was like a list of 10 or 13 uh, symptoms. What are some of those symptoms? So if I'm like, well, wait, maybe I am depressed. What are some of those symptoms to look for? Right. So the big one is, is that, you know, you, you feel like your mood is depressed. And another big one is that you're maybe not enjoying things as, as much as you used to. Um, those are kind of the big hallmarks. And then what you might notice is that your sleep isn't good. You're not concentrating well. Um, you know, like your brain just isn't functioning as well. You're not as sharp as you were. And this is the interesting thing. Now that we have um, these functional MRIs and some other um, imaging that we can actually do on people's brains who are depressed, what we see is, is that, you know, their brain is just kind of stuck, almost like if you remember this doesn't happen as much as it used to. You remember those old computers, your windows, it would just, all these windows would get stuck and you had to hit control, alt, delete. Yes. Reboot the system. Yes. That's kind of what happens with depression and some of these other mental health problems is your, your, your programming is just kind of frozen and you're just stuck in this loop and you're just having these negative thoughts and negative feelings. Mm. So if you weren't able to be depressed, that would also be not good, right? So let's say something sad happened and you were like, man, I just don't feel sad. That's not good. So you want to be able to feel depressed. You want to be able to feel anxious. You want to be able to worry, but you don't want to be stuck that way all the time. 
And that's really what we can see in brain imaging now is that people who are suffering from depression, their brain is literally stuck in like this pattern of thinking that you can see on the functional MRI and they can't shift out of it. Mm. There's no control, alt, shift, delete, or whatever. There's no. something you can't. You're like, and this is what used to get me um, more so when I was dealing with, I think, depression than anxiety, which was a while ago. But it was like I would have like one okay morning where I'd be like, well, I laughed today. That life mm. didn't seem so bad. So it's pro- I'm fine probably. Mm-hmm. It's like you tend to sometimes downplay your own symptoms because – for me anyway, and it, this is where it gets this is where it gets complex. I'd be like, well, I don't want to be a burden on anybody else, so I'm gonna just deal with it. And then also, I don't want people to think I'm crazy, so I'm I can handle this. I'll just read a couple of inspirational memes and get through it. Right. And if you are in that shape, you might want to just go see someone to get evaluated. You know what I mean? Right. And that's the thing is is that um, if you're if you're stuck in that and you don't feel like there's anything that you can do to get help, that's adaptive to try to, to push through it. But since there is treatment available, it becomes maladaptive mm. to just kind of push through it. And you're right. You should go seek treatment. And we actually do have a Control-Alt-Delete now, and it's the TMS. Hey! Yeah. That's like, no, seriously. It's, it's, so I've, you know, I've been a psychiatrist for over 15 years now, and, you know, this TMS stuff has really just taken off in the last four or five. I've been doing it for 10, but this is a game changer in terms of a different way to go about treating the depression. And mm. that, that's kind of what we see is, is that it's able to unlock the brain and kind of fix this arrhythmia in terms of it being stuck in this one state of thinking and feeling. And so it's kind of like, it's kind of like cheating a little bit. And medications do a similar thing. The problem is that they hit the entire brain. So you're trying to target these one or two circuits, which the medication hits, but then you also hit everything else. So if you're lucky, you just get effect on those one or two circuits with the medications. You don't have side effects. But if you're unlucky, then the medications cause sometimes just as many problems as they that they're trying to fix. Mm, wow. It's true. It's true. And I was not a fan of being on medication, and I'm, I'm slowly coming off of it, but um, it's like people are conditioned to almost be like, oh, well, there's an easy answer. There's a pill. Right. Yeah. But look at the other things that are happening with said pill. Not that mm. I'm saying like it doesn't work for people. I mean, it definitely does work for some people, but it can also give you things that you didn't sign up for. Like, hey, TMI for everybody right now, like sexual issues. Mm. Like maybe things aren't going to be as good in the bedroom for you now. Right. But at least you're not like, you know, laying in bed depressed all day. So you're like, well, these are my options, really? So I have to either be not depressed and can't have good sex, Oof. or I'm just gonna be depressed, but every now and then have sex, that's okay. Like, it's just, mm. it's like, why do you have to make those choices? Which is why TMS worked for me so well. And it can work for a lot of people. And people have like been sliding up in my DMs and everything. And like, I feel like they ask me too many questions. Like, I don't work there. <laughs> they're like, well, how much does it cost? And also, I heard there's like a loud clicking noise and how does it work with my migraines? And I'm like, this Whoa. is why I tell you to call that. They're not right. scary people. Like, they're not gonna like, loop you into something you can't get out of they'll just give you the details you know Mm. what i'm saying so if you think by listening that you might want to try that out just call them they're super friendly it's it's pretty cool because you know i i'm kind of a little bit of a history buff with psychiatry and it used to be before we had the medicines you know someone got depressed you just put them in an institution for six months you know my mom had a nervous breakdown whatever she put it she went to the institution that's what used to happen when the medicines came out 
you know, the field of psychiatry was super excited because we actually had something that worked relatively quickly. It had side effects, but, you know, instead of being in the hospital for six months, you were in for, you know, six days Mm. and you were feeling better. You might have some side effects, but at least you weren't in the hospital anymore. This technology that we're doing right now with the TMS and the, and the functional MRIs is, this is the next evolution of, of mental health treatment. That's, you know, those of us um, who are in the field right now who are seeing what's going on with this, this is, that's how we feel about this. This is really the next evolution of depression treatment. I might need to uh, make my little appointment over here and uh, just sort of do a little consult because I'm just so fascinated about, you know, the the feelings that you think are normal and like mm-hmm. knowing if that's normal or if that's not. Because we were joking this past weekend, my boyfriend and I, about how I used to be such like a happy person. Like when I first met you, Holly, oh, yeah. when I was Scott's age, I was like Scott. I was like smiling and laughing and bouncing around. And, like, now, like, that's the joke with my boyfriend is that he's, like, if we weren't together, you probably wouldn't see anybody. That's true. And I'm, like, this is kind of true. I have made, I mean, I have not to, like, turn this into that, but I've definitely noticed there's a a shift because littler things annoy you. You're irritable more often. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we've also joked about it where it's, like, well, that's what happens when you get older. You get jaded. Right. Well, I mean, not everybody gets grumpy right when they're older I mean, right you're only in your mid-30s right <laughs> and it's like god am i just gonna be like a, a a shut-in later on in life um so i might be coming to see you <laughs> anytime <laughs> but hey but the, the way to think about that really with the with the neuroscience that we have now is just that you can really take a lot of the stigma off the table and say hey man life happens to, you know, stress happens and things can happen to you, just not even anything terribly traumatic, but just, you know, working long hours and, you know, you know, being stressed, it can knock your brain functioning out of sync a little bit. And luckily it goes back on its own. You know, you can go take a vacation, you know, it just over time, if you're under less stress, it can kind of go back to normal. Sometimes people are kind of stuck in this, in this um, state where they're just out of sync a little bit. And, and you know, it's not bad enough that maybe they even would take um, medication, but that's the nice thing about this treatment. There's really no risks or side effects. So, you know, we really think eventually this is going to have some um, aspect of just like rejuvenation. You know, people who are stressed out or have been through a bad breakup or, you know, anything like that would just come and get some sessions to kind of get things synced back up again. We, mm. we think as the insurance coverage gets better and better, that's kind of where this is going to go. Because if you think about it these days, how easy is it to get a prescription of Prozac, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you just go to a walk-in clinic and be like, hey, I feel down. They're like, here, take this. Right. That, this treatment has less side effects and is potentially more effective. So that's kind of where all this is going eventually, I think. Hence the term neurospa, which is what I learned when I first started going there. Because it's, it's, like, it's like a spa. In, in a way, not like a beauty treatment spa, not like, oh, I'm going to get my toes did. No, but it's like calm in mm. the in the rooms that you yeah. go and do it. And it just, to me, it puts on the forefront that like, hey, mental health is just as important, if not more, than physical health. And we have these spa days for rejuvenation for your physical body. Mm. Like we have massages. How, why are we not doing that 
for our minds. Mm. But we're just going to, like, let somebody rub our shoulders and be like, oh, my mind is better now. Right. N- it, okay. It's not. You haven't dealt with anything. Right. But this can help your brain get back on the right track. So I'm I'm really glad that we talked about this today, especially since we started the podcast with, like, well... <laughs> Uh, how did you how did you feel on the Fourth of July? Weird, Ugh. felt weird, like so complicated. I mean, we're all going through it right now. Mm, so I just, true. It 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 really did a lot for me, and I wouldn't be saying all this, and we wouldn't be you know talking through all this if I didn't believe it. So mm. just FYI from from me, Doctor Upshaw. How can people contact you if they are curious? Yeah, if you want to learn more about. TMS, if this is the first you've heard of it, just go to neurospatms.com and we have just tons of information on our website about this and you can contact us through our website or you can call us up. People who answer the phones for us are super nice and helpful and so they can answer any questions that you have. Awesome. Well, you have a wonderful week and we will talk to you next Monday. All right. Talk to you then. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. He always just sounds so upbeat. He's just like, hey, guys, just. He's super nice. Just here to help help everyone out. I mean, like, and this is what I love. The first time that I had, like, a sit down with him, he's hitting me with some of the, like, hard-hitting psychological facts. He's like, I, let me let me know if this is too much. I'm like, it's not. It's just <laughs> enough. Keep all. going. Tell but me. It's so fascinating to me. And I don't know why. I get a lot of messages from you and the M&H fam that are like, you're so brave for talking about your mental health. Mm. And I'm like, thank you, but no, I don't I don't feel brave. I don't feel different or anything. It's just like, hey, this is what's going on with me. And since we're so vulnerable, that maybe that's the the difference. On our show, we are very open and very vulnerable with our emotions and our feelings and what's going on in our lives. So for me, it's not like, oh, I'm going to be courageous and talk about this. I'm scared, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not scared. It's just like this is what I'm dealing with. And my whole goal for getting into radio, aside from originally just wanting to be famous, that was a terrible goal. (laughs) Um, When when I got over that hump, I just want to help people. Like that's my favorite part of this job is what we can do when we make a connection because radio is so – um, personal. Mm-hmm. It's like one-on-one, you know, and back in baby DJ school, they're like, you're never talking to a group of people. No one's gathering around the radio for the fireside chat. Mm-mm. You're talking to one person in their car or in their home and you're forging that connection. And so that is what I take seriously, that responsibility of I'm, I feel like your friend, I'm not going to lead you astray. I, and if I say something out of turn, I'm going to come on and retract it. Mm-hmm. Um, Because we have that relationship. But to me, it's not brave for me to be talking about this. It's just something that we should be talking about. And for some reason, there is still this weird leftover stigma that's hopefully disappearing of mental health. Yeah. And I think after watching sort of like Outlander and now Underground and just sort of like how obviously these are fictionalized shows, but both shows have gone... Uh, to great lengths to make sure that they are portraying how people talked and felt back then. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that is really glaring to me is we've never dealt with mental health because we can't see it. Yeah. Right. And so it's hard to know if someone is pretending or if they're really telling the truth or how to gauge 
someone's depression or sadness or apathy or whatever the case may be. Right, because we don't even know what the normal is for us. Right. And that's what's so, I get, maybe that's what's scary about mental health and mental illness. It's like, we only know how we understand the world. Right. So for what's a quote unquote normal to me might not be normal to you and vice versa. And so we're like, well, I feel like I'm normal. And then it kind of becomes like a mind F because you're like, wait a minute. Right. (laughs) Maybe I'm not. I don't know. But it's like the more I learn about mental health and trauma and all this stuff, it almost has changed how I've how I've consumed shows and movies and stuff because now I can see it from a psychological aspect. Mm. And it's like things just aren't black and white anymore. No. There aren't these easy superhero villain movies. Like, well, why did that person become a villain? Mm-hmm. How is that person being recognized as a hero? Does that mean that they've never done something wrong? Does that mean that they were never a bad person? Was this just a bad person that had a good day? Was it a good person that had a bad day? Like it's there there is literally no black and white. And like um for example, one of the ones the the hardest hitting one that came out in the last year was Joker. And so uh, I saw it in the movie theater, obviously. I've seen it again a couple times now that it's out, you know, for streaming and whatnot. Yeah. And I would like go to battle with people on this because some people that see it as just, oh, this is supposed to be like the villain backstory for the Joker. How did mm-hmm. he get to be the bad guy? And it's like, oh, I don't know why people like this character. It's because it's like, you know, he's just a crazy murderer. And I'm like, no, you have missed. Here's your head. Here's the point way over it. You have missed the point of this mm-hmm. because this person was someone who probably had like a little bit, not a little bit, like a lot of childhood trauma, ended up having some mental illness and then was, like, pushed over the edge because of medications and then a lack thereof, mm-hmm. and he completely spiraled. Right. And I'm like, that's how we got a villain. And I was like, I just found it an incredibly interesting study psychologically in how someone can turn into that. Right. And, like, the same things with Batman, like the Christian Bale Batman movies where, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was the second one where, Miguel, I remember seeing it in the theater with you, and it was, like, I think the second movie where he had to take the L Batman did because it was for the greater good that people should see him as a villain. Mm, I don't I remember that. Yeah. I, I haven't seen them in so long. It's been a while, but it's like, oh, wait a minute. Like, how did he become a hero and then so quickly turn into a villain and then back to a hero? So it's like, this is why mental health, I think, has the stigma. It's so complex. How do you classify it into a quick black and white conversation? You You really can't. And a lot of people like to just put things in boxes like that well and i also see too as an adult when you are presented with situations how when you were younger it would have it would seem like oh well that just seems like really easy like you just say yes or no like it's good or bad right you know but then as you get to be an adult and you realize that these situations that you come upon as an adult aren't Like, there's not this, like, big dramatic moment where, like, you're either going to go fork left to bad or fork right to good. Right. There's all these big, high-strung orchestra music playing of you making the decision. It's, like, for perfect example is when I refinanced my house and, uh, like, a few months later, I got a check in the mail for $1,000. Now, I probably, you know, I would think that, like, some people would be like, oh, I got $1,000. Let me just cash it and I'm done. But, like, to me, it, that would have been the easy thing. But then I was like, well, what if this was a mistake? 
and like what if something's wrong but you see how like it's so easy how I could have just like cashed it put it in my account and then like it could have turned out to be like fraud and then it could have been like Miguel Fuller tries to embezzle money from finance company but then I was like hold on let me like call and ask and see like hey is this legit was I supposed to get this money but you see how like it can easily happen and without even bad intentions even just thinking yeah. you're maybe doing the right thing right and right. it takes you like little decisions can take you all of a sudden in a place that you're not familiar with right and I, now I hope that was I don't think that was a great example but like I got it I can't think of one off the top of my head but how do you just have to make these daily decisions on good or bad things but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad person right and how you can see how it's so easy to sort of just like slip into that without knowing that oh my god I'm making these bad decisions so no it seems actually, like a good decision oh there is a movie that came out a few months ago on HBO with um What's his name? Uh, Jack Hugh Jackman and Stalker Channing, I believe, where he was a superintendent of the schools in New Jersey, I believe. Okay. And I did not hear about this. I'm sorry. No, I think it was Long Island. On Long Island. Uh, yeah, look it up, um, Scott. And it was on HBO. And long story short, he was embezzling, skimming off the top of the school system, like millions of dollars. And like all these people underneath him started to do it. But like it seemed kind of at first like, well, he told me that I can use the company card to get my tires fixed. Mm. And they're like, well, we'll just reconcile it later. It's fine. And then a few months later, you're like, well, my plumbing is kind of bad and I don't have the money. And the superintendent is like, well, just put on the company card and we'll figure it out. And so by the time you know it, all these people have been making these tiny decisions that led to really bad decisions, and it's millions of dollars. But it explores how, like, some of them aren't bad people. Some of them are because right. they knew what they were doing. But some people were legitimately just like, I just I thought I needed help. Right. But how it's just not so easy. Right. And, and then you have to mix into all of that. Where's your mental state? Right. Where's your mental state? Do you legit know what you're doing and what the consequences are? Or did mm-hmm. you just decide not to ask questions? Right. Or, like, it, are you dealing with some other kind of trauma where you legit don't understand what you're doing? Like, there's so many complexities. That's why I think it's hard for people to wrap their mind around it because it takes a lot to figure it out. What was the name of that movie, Scott? It's called Bad Education. There okay. we go. Bad Education on HBO. Uh, really, 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 really great movie Um, if you ever get a chance to watch it on HBO. All right. We out here for the day. Okay. Holly, what's your social media? Radio Holly on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And Holly on Hot 101.5 on Facebook. Scott? At Scott Tavlin, S-C-O-T-T-T-A-V-L-I-N on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And you can find me, uh, Miguel Fuller, on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all those great things. And shoot me an email if you want to get a Miguel and Holly sticker. We'll get it to you. Miguel at Hot1015TampaBay.com. Just send me your name and your full address. And make sure to rate and review us on everywhere you can find and listen to our podcast. Until tomorrow, bye. Catch up on previous episodes of Miguel and Holly Uncensored now on the Hot 101.5 app or on iTunes on your smartphone. It's Miguel and Holly Uncensored. Quarantine edition from Hot 101.5. Made hot by Corona Beer.